The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4. Every weekday, News Radio 1240 KQEN brings you local information at 4 o'clock. Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it's time for the True Wealth Radio Show. You know, it is. It sounds like a train. I know it always goes chicka 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 chicka. It sounds like an exciting train to be on, like a party train. But the part that makes me laugh is it's probably the only train in my life that starts on time ever. (laughs) (laughs) True story. I was joking around that my life is not a train station. Like it is not that punctual. And I don't think real life really is a lot of times. But this is the only thing that probably is, you know, pretty punctual. You could set your watch to the radio station. And that is awesome. So welcome to the True Wealth Show. I'm your host, David Littlejohn. In studio with me is Katie Shook. And this time I'm actually in studio. (laughs) Yeah. Not in an undisclosed location. Right. In in an evil lair. (laughs) Uh, No. So last time it was I was broadcasting. I was actually out in Redmond and it was there was snow on the ground and it was snow swirling around when I called in for the show uh we had Jim Daniel on the uh I know I always wanted to add an s to the end of his name right and you know that was from Sydney Senior Services we are nearing the end of the open enrollment period for Medicare so don't forget to take care of that uh as we recall it wasn't that we were endorsing one person over another but uh, Jim, somebody that we knew that could come in and speak knowledgeably about the issues, and so we wanted to invite him on the program. Uh, for all of you that are Medicare eligible and you're trying to figure out uh, if and how much, when, where, and why you want to add supplemental coverage in addition to the basics of Medicare, uh, you know there are lots of ways to do it, and if it's a universe you don't want to navigate, get help. So interestingly enough, I was discussing healthcare with someone who is Medicare eligible. Um, and they actually said they went to Jim. And I mean, they, they said they had a really good experience and he did everything that he talked about on the show. So it was kind of nice. It's interesting, you know, when you hear about something or all of a sudden discuss something, it becomes part of it, like your life that week. Like it's just kind of there. Yep. Um, and it wasn't like I purposely went up to anybody and went, Did you, are you eligible for Medicare? Yes. Have you, you know, it wasn't that kind of conversation. Tire ads. Right. Okay. So David has this theory about tire ads. He's going to tell you what that is. Yes. So the tire ad theory. Now, this isn't just a theory. Uh, a lot of folks don't know this, but my background, so finance is my career, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm now entering my 20th year no in this way. business. True story. Are you that old? You're not that I old. I am, and I have the gray hair that was recently removed to prove it. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, thanks, Alex. <laughs> it was cut, not colored, <laughs> just so we're clear. Uh, but if you keep it short enough, it looks almost like it's not there. I like to call it God's highlights. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely getting uh, the silver crown of wisdom, at least we hope. So uh, I've never heard my, that one. My background—that's in the Bible, right there. Really, silver uh, crown of wisdom. Yeah. See, gray hair, self-endorsed by Jesus. There you go. <laughs> exactly. See, it's a blessing, right there. Uh, okay, so tire ads. Tire ads, and I was—I uh, was a journalism major in college. This was—I I tease about back when journalism meant something different than it does today. I think journalism today is just editorials, uh, but we had. So I was—I was a journalist by 
education and why people say, why did you go that direction? And it's because there were two pathways. One of them was journalism and one of them was through the business school and it was for the marketing path. And I was interested in marketing originally. Okay. Well, on that path, there were two versions. There was the business school version and there was the creative version. The creative version sounds more fun. The creative version sounded more fun to me, too. Probably <laughs> so really wasn't. Like, but no, it, no, it was. Actually, oh, was it? So this was all about sort of the concept behind a Super Bowl ad. Right. So the creative Those stuff would be so awesome to create, by the they way. They were fun. Uh, did you do mock ones while you were in yeah, school? Yeah. And actually had a really fun portfolio of them. And I did quite well in my coursework for that. Cool. Uh, the funny thing is, I think we're really limited on our creativity in the financial industry by tons of regulation. Limited? It be, it's like, oh, you can have vanilla. You can have any flavor of vanilla you want as long as it's vanilla. Oh, it's so bad. We There are so many restrictions to what you can and can't say and how you say it. And uh, so, it's, so being creative and clever and breaking through the clutter is really tricky because th there's just all of this disclosure because everybody, well, basically because lawyers, right? Now, I have a lot of friends that are lawyers, but I also know one of my favorite jokes about lawyers is, you know, what do you, what do you have when you have a lawyer up to their neck in cement? What? Not enough cement. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, the, a lot of what Ouch. we have is... We, we get frustrated with this country. I know I'm off track slightly, but we get frustrated when the law doesn't work. But it's the, the reason that we keep it's because we have really good attorneys out there. They, they exploit. They find the holes in the law and they force it to seek clarification. They I think force I have a, these issues. Right. I have a harder time when new laws are created because of one stupid person. Well, like, I have a problem that we don't have the ability to have discernment. We It's like we try to legislate for everything now, and then the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law get lost. And so, yeah. you know, it's things like, uh, you know, we have we have huge issues with homelessness, and then you can go to certain areas of the country where uh, a private property owner is not allowed to remove homeless from their property because it's violating the right the law the, the rights the, the of rights the of the homeless person. person. And you think, but the Wait property a owner is the you one know, that pays taxes, and the property owner is yeah, the one doing it. Yeah, the, and so you like, go, we yeah. we have got some conflicting issues here, and. Uh, this is a whole separate one day we'll do a podcast not on this show about what I'm calling the death of ownership right that is a really interesting theory maybe has to be another one let's put it on my book list for someday but uh, the death of ownership and the theory behind what that means uh, anyway back to the marketing okay okay tire All ads. The way back you were talking about tire, tire ads. ads so you got a you, degree in marketing this and and one of the things that we studied is the what what makes things jump out through the clutter Okay. If you're listening to this program right now, then either uh, you've got nothing better going on, you've listened to it before and you like us. Your car you radio station is stuck on yeah, this channel. You you are you're <laughs> just putting up with us to get to something you want, or somewhere in between. You uh, maybe it's the novelty of the moment, whatever it may be, but you're here. And the question is, do we cut through the clutter? And do you find yourself going, uh -huh. hey? These people, they get me, or I get them, and I want to know more. Okay. Okay. So, tire ads are one of those things. You realize that there's probably tire ads all over the place. I guarantee you. Oh, in this constantly. Building, uh, and there's ad for everything, but tire ads are just a funny one because you just totally gloss over them. Like it doesn't even register that they exist until you need tires. 
And then all of a sudden you clue in and there, you see the tire ads everywhere. It's true. Because they become relevant to you. Right. That's true. No, that's totally true. Costco's that same way. I mean, Costco has tire ads, I feel like, all the time in their coupon booklets. Yes. But, you know, but same thing. Like, if you're not looking for tires, yeah, you, and you're just you like, eh, t- whatever, and you just you go don't to the next tires, page. But it's the same thing. All of a sudden, you know, I got to go buy bananas. Hey, look at that. There's a coupon for bananas. Uh, now, also, big data is super good at figuring out what you need and paying attention to your behavioral patterns and where you are. Yeah. So Things don't, that don't think that like your smartphone's ago. not... They, they know where you are. They know what you've been searching for online and they've been tracking your behavior and they are trying to estimate and 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 take a guess at where you're going to what you need. And then they push it in front of you and try to encourage you. Really. So I said this. It, it kind of scares me a little bit. So every once in a while, I get these really cool like one off stores that kind of pop up in my Facebook feed. Right. And sometimes I'm like, oh, that's an interesting product. And I do click through. So I realize it's clickbait, right? They're trying to bait me to go to their store or their website, and sure. I get it, and I do it. But at the same token, I'm always looking for a very unique gift for David, and I end up finding some of the most obscure <laughs> things yeah. through Facebook because I end up in these weird <laughs> stores. Katie is an exceptional gift giver. <laughs> if there was ever a secondary career opportunity, it would probably be personal shopper. Gifts uh, are my leveling. They are, they are the language I speak. It's not the one I hear. But it is the one I speak. I like to give gifts. Yes. Katie is touching and words of affirmation. If I you want to know her love languages, there you go. Yeah. Give me compliments and give me lots of hugs when I'm totally good. Yeah. yeah. She just wants to know that she is loved and she wants to hear that she is loved. And that That's will it. do it. Okay. That's, I know. I'm like a good puppy, right? Good boy. Okay. Oh, look, your tail's wagging. I'm like, perfect. Oh, okay, perfect. Thank you. I love you. So <laughs> it's, it's totally true. It's, it's good. To, it's good to know what you're all about, though. But you know what? When you know who you are. You can tell your spouse how to love you. Now, training them to actually do it is a different story. That's tough because most people give what they want, right? They don't necessarily give thinking that this is what the other person is looking for. They give what they are hoping to receive. Well, again, I love buying gifts, but the receiver is not necessarily – that may not be their love language. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, it's less of a love language for me personally, right? Right. Gifts are not important to me. Mine is probably more about – time and affirmation right mm-hmm. uh so those are the biggies you know, if you just tell me i'm doing a good job i'm like all right i will sink the bismarck for you <laughs> whatever it takes uh, and the other one is if you ask me for something instead of tell me to do something right, right? i am really huge on that one as soon as you say do this thing i'm like uh-uh I'll have to. I, I will tell right? you right now as a as a as a wife and as a mother it's really difficult when one of my husband's love languages is acts of service, right? So if like he comes home and the kitchen's really clean and the house has been mopped, like he feels super loved. And that is not my love language. <laughs> so it's like I look at the dishes and I'm like, no, I'll do them later. I want to spend time with you. And he's like, I just want you to do the dishes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We don't speak. But but understanding each other, knowing that. I, you know, so I like to gift give, right? Mm-hmm. So if he's gone for a little while, like if he's on a trip or something, I try really hard to get the house really clean when he comes home so that he feels really loved. And it sometimes it's a big try because it's not necessarily on my priority list or the thing I want to do. So. Sure, sure. But, well, there you go. And so just like that, we took this weird series detour. of turns that goes from 
marketing and how you are you pay attention to what you need in a moment right what what cuts through the clutter and then we had this love total language. aside of love languages which is totally a true wealth moment by the way and these are all right? things we're going to be discussing on today's show because they have a point well they do and so today really i want to talk a lot more about we're going to connect some dots Okay, so connecting the dots is a term that I use when you talk about cause and effect. Oftentimes we don't think about what what something happens in one place and it moves another thing and it creates a chain reaction and something else sort of pops out the other end. And part of the reason I want to do this is we're starting to get a lot of questions. One, we've reached near all time highs for the markets. We are reaching the end of the calendar year that's been on the calendar so far a very good year. Right. And we also are going into an election year, and we're in the middle of a fairly uh, interesting news cycle, and uh, there's a lot of things that hang in an interesting balance politically. So all of these elements create a bunch of uncertainty, potentially, and yet the market's at all-time highs. And the question is, why? And, and is so, it going higher? And is it going to go up or down or all around? And so I'm not going to necessarily... Well, we, you may get a prediction or two out of us, but we're going to talk about the why behind it, because I've seen some really common mistakes that people need to be aware of, and we're going to see if we can't help you avoid maybe stepping in a mess. But before we do, we got to run our first break. So we'll do that, and when we come back, we will unlock the secrets of the universe, or at least some of them. <laughs> All right, this is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. You're just going to invent a spot? We did this at our old house, and it it made for a very compact dining room. No, it's going to go in the family room. Because right now the sofa's on one wall, and I'll just move it to the other wall. See, this is what happens, folks. (laughs) Now Katie has decided because... You know, actually, I'm going to announce this on air. So I would like a piano. I have made arrangements to acquire a piano, but I have no way of moving it. So anybody want to help us move a piano? So if you are a (laughs) piano mover, know of a piano mover or, you know, move a piano from 10 mile to green. green. Right. So it's a little bit of distance. But I like I have this piano that I would like to acquire, but I have no way to move it. Right. The gift of music for these kids. All right, we're selling it hard. There you go. So yeah. Um, um, by the way, if you yeah, if you have somebody, call the office five four one three seven five zero eight nine eight or put the referral on Facebook. I'll grab the message or whatever. But yeah, if you know somebody and you want to give me the referral, I would happily take it at this point. Yes. So there you go. Um, in other news, okay, connecting the dots. Yeah, connecting the dots. Have you noticed that even though the markets are at all time highs and the economy and you know unemployment's at like all time lows that people are still asking the question of, 
Yeah, when's it all going to break? When's it all going to go south? Well, a lot of people have kind of been burned over the last 20 years or so. I mean, well, 30 years, I guess. But there's, I mean, even just from the early 2000s, like a lot, you know, if you were old enough to be investing at that point or old enough to be working even at that point, like you kind of saw a lot of, a lot of turnover. I mean, not only between banks, but homes, maybe you had to move. I think people are kind of nervous about, you know, are we getting, are we getting too fat and happy? Are we getting too comfortable? Should we be more prepared for a doomsday event in our finances? And I, I can't tell if it's that or if it's, it's, it's not like the, I think people just have in their mind that this news cycle is negative. And so the well, perception it's been for eight years. Well, yeah. And so there's perception and then there's reality. And I don't think they are aligned. True. Right. Uh, people will say things like, oh, the housing market, everything's so expensive. And it's well, that is true. And yet they've just increased the conforming loan limits for the standard uh, like federally backed mortgage programs like Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, right? So they're up to 510000 or something dollars. It's over half a million dollars for a conforming conventional financing, right? I remember when it was like 417000 So it's almost 20%, almost 25% higher. Thank you, California, for that one. <laughs> well, California will end up being even higher. I know. Right? That's and right. New York will be even higher for conforming limits. Yeah, because a half a but million and everybody's you think like, about, that's a track You could still get... 30-year fixed money for in the neighborhood of 4%. Yeah, it's pretty reasonable to finance it right now. Right? Like, so, you're not paying a ton of interest. So the the cost of capital is, is really low. And unemployment is really low. Uh, there are jobs out there if you want to go to work. I think there are people that don't want to go to work, but that's a different conversation. True. But there are jobs to be had. So... Uh, there, there are not everything is perfect, right? This is another a topic for another day. But if you just want a good dinner table conversation, or you really want to start an argument on social media, <laughs> you know, I love how can, those are the same thing, right? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, good, good, healthy fighting at your family dinner over Thanksgiving, or super mud slogging on Facebook. You right. pick; well, it's your choice. My, my question is: Okay, so if if the consumer price index shows that we have low to negligible inflation. Why do things still seem to be getting more expensive? And my position is that it's because there are more mandatory expenditures on the consumer, right? Okay, uh, say that in English. That we have things that we really don't get a choice to spend on. We have to be, and so things like healthcare are getting more expensive. Education is still increasing in cost, and we don't really count those in the consumer price index in the True. traditional sense. So food and energy may not be changing in price much. Housing continues to go up, but it's slowed a lot in terms of the, the pace of inflation. You know, but, but you, said, you mentioned utilities. I swear my cell phone bill is getting more and more expensive every year, and oh, I, I don't feel like I'm getting much... I, I'm not getting anything different. In fact, I've like cut my plan... Let me tell Damn. you the secret to cell phone plans and where I have found that they get you. And I know because I just reviewed my cell phone plan last night. Okay. Okay. And one of the things that I've discovered is they will tell you, oh, it costs this much per line. And I think the sales representatives in most cases don't realize they're lying. 
or to them it doesn't count. But you look at the there's all these things like universal connection fee and 911 charges, and then there's a subline in there that says there's an administration recovery charge. What is that? It's the cost that the cell phone carrier charges you to collect and pay the taxes. So there's an admin fee, and it's running somewhere in the neighborhood of 15% per line. So what? I, you know, I know because we have one of my kids. We have a watch for them. It's a limited access, but we can call them on their watch, and we can we know where they are. You it's can like, communicate. Yeah, yeah LoJack for our kids, right? Awesome. And sad that we need that these days, right? But yeah. And it's supposed to be five dollars a month to have them on the plan. Oh, but and it's it not. And it costs eight. Yeah. Because there's all of these universal connection charges and administrative charges that go with it. Uh, I'm supposed to have. $45 per line, and each line costs uh, almost double that because there is, well, the cost of financing the phone, right? But that, even if you take that back out, there's still another 7 or $8 per, uh, almost $10 in connection fees and administrative charges that get baked in as well. So don't think that our poor cell phone companies are, are handing out bargains. There's everything from data overages or data throttling when you get to certain points. And then there's also these administrative costs associated. And that is a really good sort of analogy for investment in general. Sometimes you don't see in the fine print where they hide the costs. This is like when we announced the other day that Charles Schwab had eliminated all commissions. And people thought, oh, wow, what's going to happen now? Remember, the commissions were like 6% of their revenue. <laughs> yeah, it was, right? a, it was a loss leader at that point. And so here's what happens. TD Ameritrade has to follow suit, and trading for them is like 25% of their revenue. So, so they get hammered, and their stock price craters, and then Schwab comes in and makes a swoop-in offer and buys TD Ameritrade. And now what do you have? One step closer to oligopoly. Yeah, that's my, scary. my favorite word, right? Remember what an oligopoly is? We've outlawed monopolies in the United States. So instead, when you get very few participants and they control all the market share, now it's too expensive because of the regulations to get any competitors into the marketplace. Well, and you talked about moating, right? Like where yeah. they're so big that they have basically have built an invisible moat around the big players, like around your castle. Yeah. And you can't, as a little guy, you can't even cross the barrier because you just don't have enough to do it. Correct. I mean, if I wanted to start a biopharma company and develop a, a drug to cure cancer, I can't do it. It's just too expensive. The, the cost of setting up for the facilities and then complying with all the regulations to clear the FDA and the various other regulatory bodies would, that would go through it, uh, I don't have the, the capital for it. You know, I'd probably need, at a minimum, $10 million. I was going to say, that, takes, that sounds a lot like taking a big fortune and turning it into a small one. Well, you know, you have to co-op with other people to do it. And this is what we see is that venture capital sort of runs – the startup worlds, you know, mm -hmm. you don't see a ton of startups that are guerrilla startups or like so I said, they start people, from nothing. If people don't know what venture capital is, what is that? Private investors, if you've ever, you know, hedge funds a lot of the time. So private investors funds, pool their private money. private investors that bring money to the table to, to, to For investment buy these purposes, companies. right? So they yeah. loan their money at like high interest rates. And This is kind of the process of the, the entrepreneurial life cycle starts out as, um, imagine that Katie you had this great idea for a widget. 
Okay. Right? So you want to manufacture the widget. You start making it, prototyping it. You have to be careful. You probably don't want to send it to China because they may just rip it off, right? <laughs> that's well. I mean, we laugh. It's true. But that's no, actually it's a huge true. issue with the tr- the quote unquote trade war of the day. And somebody made a comment that war is a really insulting term for it. I agree. After hearing them, you know, I think wars are really serious and bloody and terrible. And trade war is, you know, great news rhetoric, but it's the wrong description. Uh, but whatever this skirmish is, where we're having this ongoing uh, debate over how we're going to engage in trade with China, one of the things has been intellectual property at issue. And so, if China is going to rip you off, you have to decide whether or not you can afford to risk it in China. But Katie, you start this entrepreneurial venture, right? Okay. You grow it to a point you want to grow even bigger. Why do you think people go to Shark Tank? Yeah, because they run out of money. And yeah, then they, they know, tap like, out their friends and family. And so right. they, they need more money, so you start looking for venture capital. These are people that invest, and they do it oftentimes on mercenary terms. They want a large chunk of your business. They want uh, some kind of loan terms that are predatory in nature or convertible features where they'll give you a loan, but they could buy equity in the company if you hit certain metrics. Lots of ways to structure it. Well, and understand, like, when we're talking about these loans, you know, like, when people think, like, oh, a loan, they're cost- – standards these days, you know, if you want a car loan or a home loan, you walk into a bank, right? But banks, each branch can even only own loan so much money. So a lot of times, like, I mean, there's there's rules and restrictions to how much they can loan. Like you start getting bigger and bigger projects, then you have to kind of turn to people that are looking to invest in those things because well, it's harder to get like a loan through yeah, the bank. bank. Banks rarely loan for uh, startup type businesses with that sort of right. structure. Like banks may create loans that say, hey, you know, you have a cash flow need and accounts receivable, so we'll provide a line of credit to give you operating funds while you collect your accounts receivable to pay it off, right? So they'll facilitate cash flow, they'll facilitate certain infrastructure, but they they don't usually come out and say but they're not they're you know, not going to take don't the invest risk on venture. the idea. Yeah, they won't say like you know this sounds like a good idea. We're going to give you some money and see how you do. No, yeah, forget it. They right? want to get their money back. <laughs> yeah, that's what angel investors do, right? So they show up and the angel investors they they take that venture capital risk with you. And then venture capitalists, uh, you know, same. It's just a bigger pool. And and so how does a venture capitalist make their money? They usually charge like a really high interest rate or something. Well, no, like that. I mean, if they're buying your company or if they're buying a percentage of it, then either they need to find bigger venture capitalists to buy them out, right? Or they IPO, right? They they create a public organization and they sell it to the public. It becomes a publicly owned entity trading on a stock exchange, and they cash out, right? Okay, so all of these, you know, Facebook started as in a or Microsoft, great a better example, right? They started in a garage, right? And now it's Facebook one of the largest companies <laughs> in the world. Right. Facebook starts in a dorm room. Same concept. So venture capital is a stage in the cycle of a business to help it grow. Okay. Now, why do we care? Well, cost of capital. Right. You know, you talk about where the economy is and connecting all the dots because we just mentioned a whole bunch of stuff in there. And people are now saying, okay, so is venture capital good or not? What does it mean? Because, you know, we've seen a bunch of IPOs in the marketplace. Does that mean the markets are going to crash soon? Or does it mean the markets are awesome? Or does it mean nothing of the sort? Well, I have a feeling you have an opinion on it. Well, lots of opinion. But, of course, we have to take a break. So we'll do that. And when we come back again, I'm going to connect more dots. And we start talking about what do the dots mean for the markets themselves? Not how the market works, but where's the market going? 
That and more when we come back. This is David Littlejohn. I'm Katie Shuck. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Yeah, that's not terrible at all. Yeah. I'm so excited. Good job. Thank you. See, this is, once again, uh, the whole like personal shopper concept of you're really a deal hound. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, what else do you call it? Um,. It's true. I, I, I you know, I, I, think it's I sniff part it of out. Like your, like it's that's part of the thing for you. It's like the thrill of the hunt. No, it's it's. I've said it multiple times before. I cannot afford my lifestyle at full price. Like I will not get everything that I want to do, and uh, it just won't happen. So what Dave, David's laughing at me about this is is that um, I so I turn I turn forty in December. I flat out openly have always admitted my age. It, I don't it, care about it. It I hasn't probably, happened yet, but it's on its way. It's the 19th this month, the 19th. I turn 40. And my birthday being so close to Christmas. And you want to give the last four your social on air while we're at it? Sure. <laughs> um, but my birthday no. being that close to Christmas is uh, really tricky to do a birthday party. So I have decided that um, I, uh, so three of my girlfriends and myself, so four of us total, are going to Cabo in January. Just the girls. So we're, we're, I'm calling it the mom vacation, right? Because we're all moms. And uh, so what David's picking on me about is um, I had a companion fair on one of my uh, on Alaska and another friend of mine had a companion fair, too. So we both used the companion fairs and booked all four tickets and kind of divided the cost evenly amongst the group. But it basically worked out to 300 bucks a ticket round trip and they're nonstop flights from Portland to Cabo. Like, I am so excited. That is a super good deal. And yes, we booked them on Thanksgiving because <laughs> Black Friday matters. <laughs> I love a sale. <laughs> I have discovered this thing about, you know, we've actually had folks to talk about the the sort of the point collecting using credit cards and so forth. Right. And it's so anti-Dave Ramsey as to be um, comical. Here's what I've really latched on to about this, though, and what makes it really hard for me personally. Uh, for me, the, the goal is just rack up lots of points, period, because I don't get much of an opportunity to sort of find a a niche deal that's going on that's really affordable and just rearrange my schedule and jump on it and go. Yeah, not, you don't really have with, you can't afford that opportunity. Not right with now. three kids. No. Not with the way our life operates. And so I yeah. just sort of go nah. and a spouse with a full time career and everything yeah. else. So so that's not happening in the same traditional sense. I mean I still using the points is useful. But uh, I'm having to do a different kind of analysis of should I just get the best cash back program or something like that because that ends up making the most sense. So I got to do a different kind of cost benefit analysis. I will tell you, though, from someone who has used points and you're right, it is very anti Dave Ramsey. And I will tell you why Dave Ramsey says it's not worth the points to pay the interest. Right. It's yeah. not that he says points are bad. It's that. Why are you going to go into debt for points? Now, that doesn't make sense. Right. Certainly and we don't not. we don't advice for people to go into debt either no, no i don't even advise so that's not it at all but let me tell you from someone who has been a point user in this last year 
Um, one of the benefits of using points is if you change your mind, you get all your points back. So, you know, usually if you want to change your ticket, you have to pay a fee and then you have to pay another fee to change it and you have to pay insurance and all this other stuff. If you use points and you say, you know what, I don't want to go, you get all your points back. You just cancel your ticket and get your points back. And yeah. it's no harm, no foul. And a lot of times if you are on that airline and a credit card holder of that airline, you kind of get a little bit of special treatment. So mm -hmm. not going to lie, you get a few little perks kind of thrown in there and you get treated a little bit better. So there are benefits to kind of being that person. But yeah, I'm a bloodhound. I... I sniffed out the deals. I figured out, like, I purposely booked our trip on when I knew we could take nonstop, like, nonstop tickets down there, and it'll be awesome. But, yeah, yeah. but 300 bucks round trip and so to again, Mexico. You look at this and go, it's because the economy is so bad and everything is so terrible <laughs> that the, clearly the market is just going to, it's got to implode, right? Because, look, tickets to Mexico on Black Friday were a good deal. Yeah. Now, I don't think the market's going to implode. I, I wish that there were some things that would come down a little bit in price, like cell phones. I don't feel like there's anything pushing for a balance in that favor at all. I agree. I, and this is my case of the oligopoly issue is a real issue. And also, the, again, the there's these government moats or regulatory moats. I know I shouldn't call them government. It's just we put enough regulation in place and other players can't compete. Right? And you're going to get unintended consequences. If you want to see the smaller family farm die, you know, keep keep twisting the screws on regulations until the only way you can afford it is to be at massive, massive scale. Right. And, and people don't understand, right? The ma and pop shop, think of it this way. Uh, everybody squirms when they say in a small town, a Walmart shows up and it puts all the small operators out of business because they can't compete. Well, why not? They don't have the pricing power. Right? They can't afford to do the same things that Walmart can do because they operate on much smaller margins. Right. Right. Just by, by virtue of the store, the store and the scale. Now, some small boutique shops can do OK, but that's the danger of when you you know, when we all we hear the small town story, Walmart comes in and certain businesses cease to exist. <laughs> so translate that now to cell phone companies. Right. How many competing cell phone companies are there? And how many times do you hear like, oh, well, we go get a straight talk or Boost Mobile or uh, Cricket or something like that. They're a, a low cost carrier. So, well, that may be true, but then you are also still on the towers that belong to the primary carriers, right? Uh, so they're leasing see, the part of it that you they're leasing space on the other towers, and so they have different. Well, it's, it, I guess they get access to the same network, but I have no proof of this, but I swear that they get different prioritization routing based on, you know, if, if there's a if there's a tower that's full or there's data that get throttled, it's going to happen to the the low cost renter first. Well, I would although, say frankly, my data coverage for I'm on Verizon right now and I've used other carriers. My data coverage in the city of Roseburg proper is garbage. It's just slow and terrible. Is it? I don't yeah. see. I don't think mine's too bad, but the, it depends on the time of day. But like rush hour in particular, uh, I I mean there are times where I could see noteworthy drop, and I'm just going, yeah, they just don't have enough so bandwidth again, in their towers. Against competitors and also against the smaller guys, the hardest part too is you kind of get what you pay for, right? Like some of the smaller little guys may be cheaper, but the coverage may not be as good. And when you're talking cell phone coverage, especially in a very rural area with lots of hills and valleys, it yeah, can, I don't know. It can I be kind of tricky. If you're theoretically on the same network, you know, you're leasing the same network one way or the other, it should be the same coverage. But it the, should be, the, the but point it's is not. That 
you don't have a lot of competition in the space. Right. It's interesting. There's actually a lot of competition in the handset space, but they've managed to turn that into an aspirational purchase, right? What do you your, mean? Your cell phone is a status symbol. Do yeah. You, do you have the newest iPhone? They've made it a status symbol because, honestly, the newest iPhone, well, Apple is a, notorious for putting software upgrades in that, like, wreck their old equipment so that it doesn't work So you have well. to upgrade. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to upgrade to keep everything snappy. Uh, but, but, you know, there's lots of different handsets out there. That's true. And, you know, you Although can really I find any like price you want. Those are more, in, as a whole, I feel like that's more important the younger you are. Uh, maybe. But if you look at where the revenue gets made and, you know, the devices and so forth, Apple's a lot bigger than Verizon. True. As a company, right? Yeah, Just, yeah, because AT&T carries Apple and everybody else yeah, carries Apple yeah. so, and everybody has an iPhone. And Verizon's big and, you know, they own a bunch of media companies. So does AT&T. And so, you, you, but that's that's kind of my point, though, is that you're seeing this consolidation of just a handful of mega companies gobbling up more and more of the smaller competitors. And then you lose competition. And when you lose competition, then who checks the pricing? Right. right. I mean, Netflix is right now. Disney came along and they created their own streaming media service. And now they're going to check Netflix on their own pricing. Do you think that Disney's going to buy Netflix? I think Disney's going to buy Netflix. I think they may. That's my so that's my really weird. I have no proof, by the way, yeah. at all. But yeah, but Disney's a content creator and a content provider, uh, so a content curator. Let's just call it that. I was going to say I don't. Yeah. Yeah. They, so so if Disney's a, a content library. curator, then Netflix is a good distribution system, and what. What Disney can do is cannibalize Netflix to the point that they could come in and either have a hostile takeover or Netflix may just say, well, the best value to our shareholders is to be assimilated. Right. Well, it's because they kind of already did that. Like yeah. they went into Netflix and said, oh, we'll just take all of this out of your library and put it on our own channel. Well, that was different. That was about saying, you know, if Netflix didn't, they, it was all pricing. You know, Netflix doesn't want to keep paying and Netflix became a studio. Netflix used to be Blockbuster Online, but now Netflix has their own content. Right, and they're producing stuff. They actually yeah. have some good shows that they they're do. producing. They do. So uh, as Netflix is struggling in that market, the, the issue is they have to pay a lot for content, and Disney has deeper pockets than Netflix to produce and market content. But see, we've also talked a lot even today about, like, you get what you pay for, right, and mm -hmm. about how money's divided up or how assets are controlled and being bigger. Mm-hmm. So I want to take it back for a minute to this connect the dots issue. And we just gave you an example of connecting the dots uh, of providers and looking at, you know, you, we're talking about cell phones and so forth. But I'm, I want to talk about what's going on in the country um, when we think about some of the issues that I think hijack the way we feel. Oh, we're going to talk okay. about feelings. Yeah, so I'm it hijacks the way we feel. One of them is the news cycle in the media. Okay. Okay. Now, basically, you're on... Uh, kind of team left or team right. Now, there is team independent, but team independent still has an opinion right now. Okay. And team, <laughs> indep team independent. independent is kind of like, I just hate everybody. Oh. But they still watch is the everybody. issue. Everybody. Yeah. And what you see is a bunch of mudslinging and fighting. Okay. Uh, the impeachment process is an opportunity to sling mud and fight. And create doubt. That's really what happens is you you are creating uncertainty, right? Do you realize that if we looked at the data, you'd say, oh, things look pretty good. Everybody's worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. 
Huh. Okay. okay. And if we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, that breeds uncertainty. Uncertainty in the marketplace is what really generates volatility. Okay. The, there are some ironic things going on here. I mean, one of my favorite expressions is that bull markets don't die of old age. Right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, you know what this means, right? People ask the question all the time, well, are, or they say, well, we're due for a, a market correction. We're are just we really due. due? So what, how do you know you're due? That's a good question. Okay. I bet I'm, you're going to answer it. Hunch, right? Is it a hunch? Sure. Well, let's talk about whether or not we're due. That'll be our last segment. Okay, look, we'll take our last break here. And I want to come back and I talk about, are we due for a pullback? Are we due for a recession? Or, I mean, is, does it happen uh, in the next few days, in the next few weeks? Is it in the next few years? We're going to cover that, but we got to take our last break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. This is KQEN Local Talk at 4 on News Radio 1240. KQEN. All right, gang. Home stretch. Home yep. stretch. Yep. And remember, if you were just joining us, you've missed out on so much <laughs> and, and occasionally actually useful information in there, too. There's a lot. We've been connecting the dots today. We've been talking about the economy. We've been talking about moting. One of the, that, right. not boating, but moting. Moting. That's um, a funny term. And, you know, some of it's players. just, it'll be interesting to understand it. You know, maybe you're. You're wondering where does this all apply? Uh, it does apply in the in the grand scheme of how things are fitting together because actually there is a connection. And look, if you're speaking of connections, check out the podcast. Right, if you right. want, you can get it on our webpage tomorrow, littlejohnfs.com, and go under the educate tab. Right, it says educate, plan, and invest. Click on the educate tab, and you'll see there's a whole list of resources that you can get. Uh, all of them are freely available to you. And then uh, also, if you want to go search for the True Well Show on iTunes. You'll there find you it go. there. So the the idea here, as we're looking at where all these different things we've been talking about, economic modes and the politics and, you know, choose a side, left or right. I By the way, I get those confused. Who's left and who's right? <laughs> left is the, um, is the progressive side of it. So left tends to be the liberal. Side, okay. And right is the conservative side. Okay. And, I'm sorry. Progressive is not just... a fair word. There's actually progressive can just mean seeking progress is is, you know, by definition what that is. It's triply the progressive left is tends to be the, the more radicalized liberal side of things. And then there's okay. the progressive right, which could be or the radical right, which is, you know, the really extreme, almost like, you know, form a militia kind of group. So, <laughs> okay. uh, and then, you know, there's there's in a spectrum of people. Most of us fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, but there, let me give you connecting a few dots to the method to the madness. First of all, realize that wherever you get your news from, there is one primary motivation for all news organizations. Okay. Do you know what it is? What is it? Money. 
Well, of course. Money makes the world go round. Exactly. So then the thing advertisers. is... Advertisers. It's the advertising, right? Look, if we've said this before. If you are not paying for the product, you are the product, okay? You are you right now listening to this program. This program, there are advertisements during the program. The goal is for us to provide good enough information that you stick around in between the ads. And you hear the ads so that you will then patronize those organizations and they will benefit. You know, it's funny, that word patronize, right? Like, so patron. Patron patronize. is something, I know, but patron is something good. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you're patronizing me. Like, it became a negative yeah, well, connotation, even case, though it's a yeah, positive They want, you, they want you to visit and spend money, right? right? And if you think about the way politics works in this day and age, okay, one of the things that they're going to do is use a lot of shock in order to, uh, this. there's a real strategy here, okay? Uh, for most people, or for many people anyway, there's a few hot button items, right? You can get something that people are pretty passionate about. And maybe it's the environment. Maybe it's some other uh, topic that's of keen interest to you. But whatever it is, okay, they are seeking alignment one way or the other. Either you agree or you disagree. But they're looking to get you to focus on that issue and then divide you one side or the other of that issue. And then they use that information to help triangulate how to formulate the right positions to be able to do just enough to capture a vote from you. And but not still, over-promise and under-deliver. It's not even about that. They'll promise whatever it takes to get you to commit on <laughs> that one issue. True. They want enough of, a, of, enough of a commitment from you to vote for them. And they want to do that with as many people as possible. So they're really just sort of feeling their way around the issues to get to the right cocktail to attract the biggest voting block. And they do it initially by shock and awe. You know, uh, there's... The, the various news organizations, you know, they pick their teams. Now, locally speaking, you're going to get a lot more neutrality because, for the most part, the local stations are trying to just promote what's going on locally because that's all the advertisers are local and uh, the, all the listeners are local. They want to know what's going on in your own backyard. Right. But the bigger players, the mainstream national players, you know, like there's a CNN, lot of NBC. Yeah. And so I say there's a lot of political science involved in how you get advertising revenue. And it makes more sense when you see a media cycle. This is what well, we kind of have to keep you staring at the screen, which means you're going to get a lot of really calamitous scenarios, right? I feel like things have become colorful. Like I'm going to use that word, but colorful, well, like colorful commentary. Yeah, yeah. It's it, there's it's talk showish. Like everything, yes. even the news anchors now have become talk showish. Yeah, and if you've got that as an issue, then. <laughs> What do you expect, right? They're, it, you're lacing in an agenda, and the agenda is to get you to tilt one way or the other and to, in order to keep you interested enough to get your eyeballs available to advertisers. There you go, folks. So once you've kind of figured that out, you go, oh, okay. Uh, maybe the, there, are, there are parts of the world that are that bad, but maybe not all the parts. Okay, <laughs> And so try to take a step back and look at, the picture with a little bit less of a tint to the editorial and a little bit more. Yeah, I guess it's try to see both sides of it for a little while. And what you'll discover is there are things that are broken, but it's not all failed. True. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, you, you may love or hate the president. There are things that he's done right, and there are things that he's done wrong. If you think there's been zero right, then you may have an issue with how you frame the world. If you think he can do no wrong, you may have an issue with the way you frame <laughs> the, the world. world. Yeah. 
Nobody's what, perfect. Says so in the Bible. Exactly. Right. Whatever the case, <laughs> we can predict this much that the you know the markets are still going to open tomorrow unless the end of the world really comes. We're going to keep fighting in the, for another day. So uh, if you do not have somebody that can help you out in your financial journey, we encourage you to give us a call at 541-375-0898. Otherwise, we are out of time. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.